Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. You tell me to live each day as if it were my last. This is in the kitchen where, before coffee, I complain of the day ahead, that obstacle race of minutes and hours, grocery stores and doctors. But why the last, I ask? Why not live each day as if it were the first? All raw astonishment, Eve rubbing her eyes awake that first morning, the sun coming up like an ingenue in the east. You grind the coffee with the small roar of a mind trying to clear itself. I set the table, glance out the window, where dew has baptised every living surface. Welcome to Cop On Podcast, you succulent passion fruit. You've just heard a poem called Imaginary Conversation by Linda Pastan, and you are about to hear a real conversation. Huge thank you to Doug from the Dugout YouTube channel, and huge Thank you to Brian Hayes in Hong Kong for joining me. As ever, though, I wish to place the fluffiest and grandest mittens of mirth over your hands, the dear, scrumptious listener. I do hope you are well and fine and dandy. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. This is great fun. It's great fun to be joined uh, by by Doug from the Dugout Football Channel on YouTube. Um, and it's great fun to be joined by Brian. Brian in Hong Kong, Brian Hazer. Our regular contributors, it's absolutely super to speak to you guys. Um, we've got a heck ton to get through, but um, uh, and I've started this recording late. So, um, you know, uh, but the, the most important thing is I've got uh, what's on my agenda um, surrounded by star emojis is remember to press record so if you're hearing this all goes well we're going to jump into it um with doug and brian um we're going to start with uh the fixtures the fixtures came out yesterday as we're recording this we're starting against leeds united i think it's a fantastic fixture brian give me your thoughts leeds united Oh, it's it's great. I mean, I don't know. I was kind of I was in two minds when I when I heard that. I, it's kind of uh, a bit sentimental for me because my old man, uh, who's sadly not with us, uh, his team was Leeds, and uh, I can still remember watching Liverpool play them when uh, oh that guy uh, David O'Leary was managing them and uh, O'Leary's babes because uh, the team was so young. Um, so, I mean, it's good to see them back in, uh, in the premiership. I, I know we're supposed to hate them and that's part of the job description, but, uh, it's always good to have the, the bigger clubs, um, get back to the, the big show. Um, I mean, I looked at, I don't know much about them in terms of how they play and, and what they did. I did, a, I looked at some of their results, uh, from last season and, uh, they seem to set up quite conservatively away from home usually playing a 4-1-4-1 formation it seems so i mean if i think if they do that um 
against us, it, it won't that won't work well for them. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's a really good. Um, it's a good uh, game to to kick the to kick the new season off. And um, you know, I think it's really simple for us. People are looking at the fixtures and saying, "Oh, we've got terrible fixtures and and this, that, and the other." But you know, when you're champions and when you're putting the kind of um, performances that we done last season and the season before that, I mean, it doesn't matter who we play. We got to win every single game. <laughs> so whether they come now or they come later, it's uh, makes no difference. But I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's great. I mean, out, out of all the fixtures, I think it's a good one to kick kick things off with. I agree. I think it's a fabulous one, and you know, commiserations for for your father as well but um you know i'm sure he would uh, he will be watching from wherever he is now with 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 you know uh, it, you know with joy that leads are back i mean i know some leeds fans um we're going to do a preview next week one of my best friends is a is a leeds fan and and they've had a heck of a heck of a time and uh, i i looked into the leeds rivalry as to where it came from um, and I was expecting, I actually did a bit of research into the Wars of the Roses in the 15th centuries. Uh, I mean, I'm getting my plurals wrong. It's too hot in Spain. The War of the Roses in the 15th century. Blimey. Um, and it's got absolutely nothing to do with that, Doug. It's all about Bill Shankly and Don Reavy in the 60s and 70s. Um, we pipped them to some trophies. They pipped us to some trophies. Um, and it's going to be a, a cracking match, isn't it? I'm absolutely delighted that we've got Leeds United. Um, obviously, a big welcome back to them in the, for the Premier League. Um, 16, 17 years away is, is, is far, far too long. Um, I like Bales as a manager. I think he's going to bring some character to the, the Premier League as well. Um, I've seen a lot of leads. Don't, don't get me wrong. I've seen a lot of them. Um, they were on a lot of um, championship games last season. Um, they're a good side, um, good defensively. Obviously, they're wanting Ben White. Uh, I don't know if they're going to get him because apparently they've been um, quoted for fifty-five million for him. So that's a lot of money to um, that's a lot of money for him to uh, to go there. But um, I was reading actually. This is the second successive season that we've had um, the champions of the championship at Anfield. So, um, obviously, Norwich last season, and now, obviously, Leeds United at uh, home. But um, I'm delighted. I'm absolutely delighted. What, what, a, what a first game to get your you know your teeth sunk into. And um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, apparently, they have never lost a gay, uh, first match of the season. So, that's going to be very interesting. But there's always a first time for that. Wow. Um, but I'm... I'm fairly optimistic. I, I know we've been given a tough start, obviously, with, you know, Leeds, um, Leeds, Leeds at home, Chelsea away, and, you know, Arsenal at home. And I think this is... I was reading something. We always seem to get Arsenal the third game of the season, and it seems to always be at Anfield as well. So there's something suspicious going on there. No, no I'm, I'm, I'm only joking. But, um, no, I'm looking forward to the, looking forward to the game. Um, and it'll be just nice to see some football again. It will. It will. Um, it's all going to start again, uh, you know, with the, with the community shield. But, uh, you know, that doesn't that doesn't really count, does it? The first game back against Leeds United. Very, very exciting. Um, Carl Clemente on Twitter, marvellous tweet out that uh, the last time Liverpool played Leeds United at Anfield was in 2003. 
three when Peter Reed was the manager. It's been that long. So welcome back to to, to Leeds. Um, the next match, I'm going to stay with you, Doug. Um, the next match is sort of lots of people have been talking about the fact we've got Arsenal, Chelsea and Everton in the first five games. Um, a tough start. I mean, do you think, are you one of these people like Brian said? I mean, you know, you've got to play it every everyone anyway so you know i mean maybe the order doesn't really matter or would you rather have had an easier start it's nice to get those three out of the way i'm not gonna lie um it'll be it'll be, it'll be nice to get goodison park out of the way as well because we've got a terrible record at goodison obviously there's been a lot of draws in the, in the past um past couple of meetings but um you know chelsea away i'm just waiting for martin tyler to basically get on his high horse and basically getting ready for a big, big uh, goal from Timo Werner. And he's basically just going to wax lyricals about the fact that Timo Werner turned down Liverpool and he basically scored against the club that, that he turned them down for. So I'm waiting for that. But having said that, I think Chelsea away is a, is a good one to get out of the way. I think Arsenal at home is a good one to get away. I'd even say that Aston Villa away is, um, is one to get out of the way as well because... We struggled there last season as well. And obviously in amongst that, we'll obviously have a Carabao Cup game and obviously the Champions League group stage draw will be made on the 1st of October. So, you know, we'll find out our um, our Champions League opponents uh, then. And uh, straight after the Everton game, we'll be kicking off into the Champions League. So, you know, there's a big, big few games coming up. But no, I, I'm, I'm, delighted to get, um, I'm delighted to get Everton out of the way. I'm not going to lie. Um, and Chelsea away, you know, obviously we've got them at home, I think, in, I think it's March, if I remember rightly, looking at the fixtures as well, um, and I think we've got Aston Villa, I think, again in April, so, yeah, it's good good to get good to get them out of the way, and we've got, obviously got Arsenal in, in April as well, so it's nice to get those games out of the way, but would I prefer the tougher start? You've got, as, as Brian said, you have to play everyone twice, so, you know, it's going to be very, very interesting for that but no i'm i'm delighted to get those uh the, um leeds arsenal leeds chelsea arsenal villa and everton are our first five i'm pretty happy to get them out of the way it's a it's a lovely answer you mentioned the champions league there um brilliant article from the always brilliant this is anfield.com um just you know explaining who we play after each champions league match um and after match day one in the champions league our fixture is Sheffield United at home. After the second Champions League date, uh, we've got West Ham at home. Then we've got Man City away, Brighton away, Wolves at home and Fulham away. So after the Champions League group matches, it, it, they seem to be quite kind, Brian. Um, is that something that might make a difference? Yeah, no, I think it uh, it definitely does. Um, I mean, I, I actually the, the 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 fixtures that we've been given to start things off, I think they're actually quite good ones and and in in weird kind of way kind to us because um, Leeds at home, you know, that's a game that we will expect to win um, uh, regardless. I mean, they're not going to give us they're not going to surprise us too much. We know what they're going to do. Um, Chelsea away. Uh, uh, they haven't even started their preseason yet. They, they're starting their preseason next week. 
they're going to be most likely missing Pulisic. Uh, I think he hasn't started. He's not even training at the moment. He's not even running. But they're making noises that he's he's going to get back for preseason and maybe he'll be he'll be a, uh, he can start the first few games. And their captain is also injured, and he's also not. Well, nobody's training at Chelsea at the moment. So, I mean, I think we are ahead of the game uh, in terms of our preparations. Um, we lead their training at the moment. They started their preseason. But Chelsea, as you would expect, are, you know, in, in probably uh, Gary Lineker's brother's club, uh, l- lashing it up at the moment. <laughs> uh, so, um, and teams like Chelsea and Arsenal, I think they get stronger, a lot stronger, particularly Arsenal, as the season goes on, and also Chelsea. So I think catching them at the, at the beginning of the... Um, uh, at the beginning of the season when their legs are a bit heavy and maybe they haven't had the best of uh, pre-seasons or preparation, considering the strange situation we find ourselves in with the short break and Chelsea were playing in Europe and that kind of thing. So, you know, I think so that to, to answer your, your question a long way, I think the, the getting those uh, hard, some would say hard fixtures uh, out of the way, early doors is actually a good thing because then that will lead into that run of games that you just mentioned that, you know, on paper, we should be winning all of those games. So, you know, I mean, again, we have to, we have to beat every team that's put in front of us. Um, but I've seen a lot worse fixtures than that. You know, we avoided Man United. We invited, avoided uh, uh, Man City. Um, these are the teams I don't like to play at the beginning of the campaign. Uh, I really don't like playing those guys. Um, and Everton, Everton's the only one I would have rather not have. Uh, you know, the, uh, we usually play them near Christmas time. Usually the Everton game comes up because they're the that's the only potential spanner I can see in those those uh, fixtures because you just don't know what you're going to get from them. But, uh, you know, not, not too bad. I'm I'm happy overall. Great, yeah, marvellous stuff, marvellous answer. Um, another thing to factor in is, is, is the old crowd. Um, you know, the fact that, the, you know, for these games there will be no crowd. So, I mean, having the away match, Chelsea, I mean, it's not very famous for its atmosphere, Stamford Bridge, but, uh, you know, it's probably easier for our players to go down there without the, you know, the the abuse that they get from uh, from the Chelsea fans inevitably. And then when Chelsea come back, um, you know, in the reverse fixture, hopefully, Doug, hopefully it will be in front of, you know, a capacity Anfield. But I don't know if this is just wishful thinking. I mean, here we are in the middle of a pandemic. It doesn't, to me, I don't know if I'm being pessimistic here. I really don't. But I can see there being complications down the line. Um, it's very, no one knows future but what's your what's your feeling about how the the pandemic is going to affect the season well if you've been reading obviously my sort of tweets recently there are obviously the the Celtic player Bolingoli uh Bolly Bolingoli sorry um went to France without uh, sorry went to Spain without actually um informing his his teammates and then obviously had to come back and obviously isolate and that obviously led to you know, Celtics um, two games being postponed, um, and obviously they're, they're back in action this week, this weekend. So there's something like that could happen uh, that um, that somebody goes away 
somewhere and doesn't doesn't inform the uh, the their club. So that 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 could happen. But this is really interesting, though. I'm very sorry to interrupt because this is really interesting. Something just occurred to me as you were saying that. What about if if you go away in the Champions League and sort of this country um, sort of puts puts itself on the quarantine list or puts the UK on the quarantine list and then presumably either the players won't be able to travel to that country to play the match or when they come back they would have to isolate for two weeks. Yeah, it's, 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 quite, it's quite interesting because um, obviously we've, obviously we're Liverpool training at the moment in Austria Obviously, that's been one of the uh, ones that has been added to the quarantine list. So, you know that that could that could potentially happen. But I don't think I think we're probably getting over the worst of it at the moment. Um, I know there there I know everyone says there may be a second wave coming, etc. But I think that we'll probably be sort of more um, prepared for it. And um, I don't think it will affect it that badly. I think I think when you sort of come to December, January, because that, that's when that's when you get into like flu season, etc. So you know there, there may be a bit of disruption there, and you know if there are games postponed as well, um, I'm obviously looking at like I'm obviously looking at like grounds like Turf Moor, etc. You know if, if 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 they they have games postponed, then you know obviously they'll they'll be rescheduled. But I I'm I'm fairly fairly confident the season will get by. Without limited um, limit limited distractions, I would say. I like it. I like your optimism, Doug. I really do. Brian, how do you feel about it? What's your feeling on this? Because I mean, if the season does get postponed, or you know, matches do get postponed, then you're talking about you know eating into next summer, which is supposed to be the European Championships, international football. It's all going to be um, it's going to be a shit show if it if it kicks off again, isn't it? I mean, how, are you optimistic? Um, yeah, no, I, I am optimistic, um, because, um, you know, I, I think with this virus, um, the, the, the main problem with it was that it was new and we weren't ready for it. We weren't prepared for it. So when it, when it popped up, it was a shit show clinically, um, in hospitals because doctors weren't, didn't know what they were doing, didn't know what they were dealing with, were, you know, just making it up as they went along and and that was one of the reasons why everything was so bad originally um but then as it's gone along and there's you know the whole world has basically put things on ice everybody's working on a vaccine there's a lot of collaboration going on people are sharing information football clubs have been at the forefront of good practices in terms of uh being able to function as a public entity within a, during a pandemic. And they're probably the best, uh, you know, I listened to, I think I mentioned this before, I listened to a podcast where the, I think it was the sporting director of Newcastle was on the show or one of their senior staff. And I don't know, it was the, it was the doctor, the medical doctor. And he was just giving an overview of what they do at Newcastle, which I've always considered Newcastle <laughs> circus right in terms of organizations you can imagine there if anybody's gonna be running like a shit show it'll be them but no it was a, <laughs> it was just a shit show on the on the pitch <laughs> everywhere else seems to be running pretty well um no he described how you know car, you know players came in one area one car park and they parked there and then they would go through different channels and and they would you know they set the whole uh, uh ground up like a, almost like a very very well-run hospital 
Um, and so if that's Newcastle, I can only imagine what we're doing because we are an extraordinarily well-run organization on, you know, out behind the scenes. So I think domestically, I think it'll, I think it'll be fine because, you know, this, since this whole uh, pandemic has started, footballers have done really, really well. I mean, they haven't, I think there's like a couple of footballers who perhaps uh, unfortunately lost their lives uh, to this virus, but uh, you're, you're always going to get that with anything. You'll have these outlier numbers where you know occasionally somebody genetically pulled the short straw uh, and they're susceptible to having a bad reaction um but pragmatically logistically i think uh running the game domestically is not a problem so r- running uh the league the premier league perhaps the, the cups is not a problem having fans back in the stadium i i i'm i'm doubtful that's a, that's going to happen this season uh i think we may one we may do a whole season with no fans um, and that's something we might have to get used to because um, until there is a vaccine in place, until there is some kind of really breakthrough medically on how to deal with this, I'm sorry, you get 20,000 people in a stadium screaming, someone's going to have that virus. And and it's the problem with the virus is it's very contagious. So if you spend uh 90 minutes or 120 minutes whatever long it is it's sitting in a stadium and that when that person beside you has this he's going to infect 10 people at least around him and those 10 people are going to infect another 10 people later on so it's a recipe for disaster the one thing i do think is very very questionable is european football um i mean that's the difficult bit right i mean unless the 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 logistics of getting teams all around Europe safely um, to play Champions League games to me seems like a bit of a nightmare. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I've loved this format uh, over the August. You know, the whole like games every single day, one one leg, one legged games, knockouts. It was like it really felt like a festival of football. It felt like the the like the World Club. Uh, World Cup just but for um, for elite football uh, team. So, I mean, maybe they'll have to do something like that again. Maybe they'll have to, ha- ha- you know, halfway through the Champions League, they might have to go, we have to change it. We're going to have to have games in these venues and we're going to have to play it over this period of time. I don't think it will be business as u- usual unless this virus just, you know, suddenly just disappears and, and it's gone. I, I just don't see that happening. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. Um, I don't know. Apparently, the Russians have developed a vaccine. And uh, so, you know, sign me up, Vladimir. Sign me up. Uh, I'm I'm up for being a guinea pig. Why the heck not? Um, I trust him. Um, right. Well, um, that's a little chat about fixtures, a little chat about uh, what might happen in the future. Um, I want to get into the meat of uh this episode now um because i i just would love to since we last spoke all manner of very fun and funny results uh happened um atletico madrid it seems like ages ago but it was only about eight days ago um uh going out um so fuck them with their anti-football uh excuse the language but uh, that's how i feel um and then Barcelona being hammered, and you know, you know the results. You've been there, but a, f- a particularly amusing one I found was um, Manchester City losing to Lyon. Um, 
<laughs> I want to talk about our rivals now, okay? This is what, what I want to talk about. So starting with the Manchester clubs who crashed out absolutely hilariously to pretty bad teams, um, Lyon and then Sevilla. We'll get on to Manchester United and Harry Maguire. I'm very much looking forward to talking about that uh, in a short while. But I'm going to start with Man City just simply because it's the first one on my agenda here. Now, where I want to start with Manchester City is that on the 3rd of January 2019, we lost to them. That was a year and a half ago. That was the the ball that almost crossed the line match. Uh, and just I've got the lineup, Manchester City's lineup in front of me. They had Edison in goal, of course. Their back four was Danilo, John Stones, Vincent Company, and Laporte at left back. Their midfield three was Bernardo Silva, Fernandinho, and David Silva. And their front three was Raheem Sterling, Sergio Aguero and Leroy Sané. When City lost to Lyon, again, absolutely hilariously, last Saturday, 3-1, their starting 11, there were six, I counted, changes. You had Edison in goal, you had a back three for some reason of Fernandinho, uh, Garcia and Laporte, uh, four in midfield, Kyle Walker, um, well, across the midfield, uh, Kyle Walker, Rodri, Gundogan and Cancelo. And then just in front of them, you had De Bruyne and Sterling. And then at the, you know, the tip of the Christmas tree, if you like, was Gabriel Jesus. And Jesus, Doug, um, six changes for Manchester City in just a year and a half. Um, Guardiola doing exactly 100%. And I've spoken to some people, some French football fans, some people who work in French football, exactly what um, uh, Garcia, the, the manager of Lyon, would have wanted. Um, just playing into Garcia's hands. And City, it, I don't think it's bad luck with the Sterling miss and things, I just think they've fallen really far in 18 months from a team that was capable of 98 points in the Premier League. What do you think, Doug? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to base it on the fact that I'm seeing one player in that team already who doesn't even want to be there, Eric Garcia. Why on earth did Pep Guardiola play him? I mean, you've got... You've, like, I don't understand why they played a back three either. Um, I, I think Guardiola got his tactics wrong. Um, and in all honesty, I thought Leon played really, really well. I think Rudy Garcia actually watched the way Arsenal beat them. And I think he's I think he did a similar tactic because it, it worked. I mean, and I'm going to say this. For as much as Ederson is very, very good with his distrib- distribution and all, I think he's had a really poor season for Manchester City, and especially the standards that they expect him to be. I think he's cost them so many points this season. Um, but the way City have fallen is is actually really, really uh, worrying for, uh, for, for a Man City point of view. And the fact is that Pep Guardiola, since he's come to Manchester City, has not passed the quarterfinal stage of the Champions League. And David Moyes, we all want to call him a football... Everyone called him a football genius when he was at United. He got Manchester United to the semi-finals in his only season at the club. So you have to say that Guardiola 
is he trying too hard? Is he, you know, it's it's a it's a question to obviously be answered later on. But I, I thought Man City were terrible against Leon, and I think I think Leon punished them uh, well deservedly. And it was really nice to see because I I watched a lot of Moussa Dembele when he was at Celtic, and I knew there was a player there. I watched them at Fulham as well, and he's been a very very good player. Um, and you know to come off the bench and get the you know the two goals to knock Manchester City out, it was just delightful. Um, and obviously that third goal was basically in the same moment when Raheem Sterling blazed it over the crossbar. And um, that, that was very, very funny to watch as well. And uh, obviously the, the, tweet, the, tweet, the tweet after it, uh, obviously with him asking, for, asking uh, I, can't remember, I can't remember the actual tweet, but it was something like, oh, can you give me um, Champions League uh, tickets from Manchester to uh, uh, Lisbon? On the on the Champions League final day, and then I literally just quoted back. Um, can I get? Can I basically get um, champ, um, flight tickets um, from Lisbon to Manchester on the on the 16th of uh, of August? <laughs> because because um, obviously they're not they're not there. So, um, but I think there's a lot of problems. That I think Man City need a big overhaul this summer, um, and. I actually wonder if they will fall even more. It's really, really interesting. It's really intriguing, this question. Manchester City, I think about them pretty much every day. No, definitely every day. Um, I think about lots of teams, lots of people every day. It's far too, it's far too ingrained, my obsession, Brian. I don't know about you, but my obsession with football. And what, what I think about City, you know, you can, from their point of view, you can look at their team and say, well, they were unlucky. For example, when City lost to Wolves, they had 18 shots. And only two on target. When City lost to Arsenal, they had 16 shots and only one on target. Um, what's behind City's regression? Is it just the fact, for example, with with uh, chance creation and goals scored and all that, um, they're, they're, they're almost at the, I mean, they're, they're absolutely, excuse me, they're absolutely miles ahead of all of the Premier League in terms of chance creation. Well, I'm going to talk about talk about chance creation in a bit but um but um my question is Brian can they fix it by signing someone to kick the ball in the net or you know are there really deep problems like Doug is saying yeah I think so I've been saying that for a long time actually uh I think they underestimated um how pivotal pivotal um certain players are and where to that club and no one better demonstrates that as Vincent Company. I just think he was everything. He was everything to that club. Uh, he was their captain. He was their leader. He was their talisman. He came up with the goals when they needed it. He was, he's such a good character. Um, and he's walked, he walked out the door and they never filled that hole. Um, and uh, you look at the other uh, leaders, they're all pushing on. I mean, the 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 team is so old um, in in parts, and it just lacks cohesion for me. It seems like a, an unbalanced team for sure. For, yeah, Fernandinho, uh, Fernandinho. I think also Fernandinho is very very important to them, um, and he has gone off the boil, and age has finally caught up with him. And so losing Fernandinho, because I think he's gone, he, even though he's still at the club, he, he might as well not be there. Uh, losing him and losing company 
and not replacing them. And Aguero, I mean, Aguero's 33 now. I mean, how long can he go on for? And, you know, Sterling is now looked upon as the senior pro at the club or one of the senior pros of the club. And I'm not one of these people that hate Sterling. I, I think fair play to him. You know, he's like, he's not as bad as people make him out to be. And he is a great footballer. But mentally, there's always been a question uh, hanging around him in terms of his, his mentality. But I just don't think he's got it. I don't think he's got the mentality of, of a out-and-out winner. And so I can see them being weaker um, uh, this campaign and maybe falling back to third, uh, not being a our main um, competitors. And in terms of the uh, the the Leon um, game, I mean, uh, absolutely shocking, really. I mean, I, 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 I'm I with you. I, I found it hilarious and really, really funny. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it because, you know, I, I said it to, I know a few City fans over here and like they were just looking past Leon. You could smell it in the air. I was thinking, you guys are sleeping on Leon. I tell you, they're not that. It's not going to be that easy, trust me. And you guys are too cocky. Uh, you you got to trip up, and they did. They went into that game really cocky. Um, but I thought Pep Guardiola had an absolute mare. I mean, he he gave them far too much respect. He basically matched up to their formation like for like, and and played them at their own game, and like very unusual for him i mean he, he never does that right and um but you know he and he's, he's he had the players all over the place you know he, kevin de bruyne just you, you play him where he's best and that's it right don't play him out of position um but yeah no, i just thought it was it was uh it was brutal and that goal from the left back was just just quality absolute quality so yeah i think yeah all's not well there you know there's been a lot of um that whole thing about the Champions League and the European um, investigation, and it's still kind of somewhat ongoing. I don't know, that stench is still hanging over them. There's been a lot of, um, you know, unsettledness going around them. And Pep seems to be doing what Pep does. You know, he's, uh, you know, great manager, obviously, he's won loads of things, but he he's a specialist. He's like a three-season specialist. Uh, he comes in, he spends an absolute shit ton of money, he produces a really beautiful football team and then he doesn't replace them with uh, with new talent and that football team starts to deteriorate. And that's what's happening now, I think. And so I think the the, the holes that are missing in their team, it, it, it's how do you replace company? How do you replace um, uh, Fernandinho? Um, uh, how do you replace, how do you replace Aguero? Uh, I don't know. It just it seems like a very, very old team. So I, I would not be surprised if they have a difficult season this year. It would be funny to watch, um, given how much I laughed um, when Lyon beat them. But uh, yes, there. Um, I mean, I was going to talk about Bernardo Silva and his stupid tweets, but I just can't be bothered, really. I mean, you know, the, the thing is they've lost their mental strength. Bernardo Silva, perhaps he never had it. You know, the fact that he didn't have the, the class to clap Liverpool in the Guard of Honour. He didn't, he didn't um, you know, he joined in those those horrific songs. Um, there are several photos of him in his underpants going around that you can see that he's he's not the most hung um, of, of gentlemen, and I don't want to be rude to other people um, who might 
be similarly afflicted because they might not all be um, complete jerk-offs like Bernardo Silva, but I just hope that whoever you are listening to this, wherever you are, you keep trolling him because he's. Um, we're obviously in his head. He's tweeting about Liverpool the day after losing in the Champions League final. Um, wonderful stuff. Just one more question on, on, on Manchester City, Doug. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you about City actually coming back at us and clawing back the huge, as I remember, 18 points difference. Well, I suppose if, I suppose if we're living rent free in uh, Bernardo Silva's head, um, then uh, not not really that worried. Um, but no, uh, on a serious matter, I do think they will strengthen more. Um, but it's whether that team gels or not. Um, and it, it, it depends on whether, you know, like um, like Ake and Laporte, I think they're both left-footed. So it's going to be interesting, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where, um, you know, Ake plays in, in, in the in the City team, whether they go back to a back three. Um, well, if, if they go back to a back three, then, you know, they're going to lose games left, right and centre because that back three uh, the other night was absolutely shocking. Um, but I think, look, oh, we're... From a scale of 1 to 10, I will say at this moment in time, 6 out of 10. Because I think they will probably threaten us. But I think there will be a stage in the season where they will drop off dramatically again. It's it's a, it's a very good uh, it's a very good answer. It's a very fair answer. I was thinking 6 myself. But uh, yeah, it does depend on, on who they sign, doesn't it? Um, uh, but as Brian was saying before, replacing their... their their, their talisman, company, Fernandinho, Aguero, who's still there, of course, but he's not as good. Fernandinho, who I've just checked, is 35, Brian. He's 35 years old now. They, you know, you're not going to replace that with, with Nathan Ake. On a scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you about City, Brian? You know, they've earned my respect, so I'll give them an 8. Uh, because it would be foolish of us to sleep on them, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I think they're not gonna they're not gonna be as dangerous as, as they have been um, in previous seasons, unless they you know they sign Mbappe this, this, in the next couple of weeks. I, I I think you know I'm not fearful of this city team uh, for this campaign. Well, that's uh, well, that's good. I mean, you're very generous with the eight. And yes, you're absolutely right. Someone like, I mean, of course, Mbappe. Is, I mean, he's unlikely to go. I think he loves being in Paris personally, but um, especially now that they're in the final. But um, uh, but yeah, a striker. I mean, I, there's a part of me that just says, you know, we don't know who they're going to sign. If they sign a lethal striker to put away some of their chances, they could be right back in it. But uh, there's like just- Luke. Like Lukaku, perhaps, you know? Lukaku. He'd be a big team. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I don't know, like Odion Igalo, maybe. I don't know. Uh, from China, bring him back. Uh, Manchester United did just that. Let's move on to talk about them. Manchester United, the first thing, the big thing, Harry Maguire has been arrested in Greece. Um, I could talk for hours on this, but I'm going to let you have your go first. Brian, Harry Maguire arrested for fighting in Greece. Have you heard about it? And if this is the first time, I don't know, whatever. Um, you know, just tell <laughs> what you think about it. United <laughs> captain. Oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's Harry Maguire. 
arrested for fighting in a bar in Greece. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's exactly what we want to read pre-season. <laughs> <laughs> it's excellent. And, you know, they get kicked out of the shitty cup, the shitty European cup as well. And so they don't have much of a rest. It's just just great. I mean, I don't know what to say about that. You're like, what do you say? I mean, if if we were today reading that Virgil van Dijk was you know, arrested in Holland. You'd be like, sweet mother of fuck, what is he doing? But we're not reading because our players don't do that shit, right? You know, we don't have players, but Harry Maguire with the lads. Because <laughs> he's a bit of a lad, is Harry Maguire, isn't he? You know, slaphead, uh, you know, downing downing Jaeger bombs and s- stitching people and not <laughs> in Greece. <laughs> fucking embarrassing it really is so i'm loving it great i hope there's like pictures of him streaking down the street with his todger out you know and <laughs> eating a kebab and puking up before he got into the fight <laughs> oh we can we can only hope that uh, that footage leaks out absolutely um it is it is pretty funny doug um it's extremely embarrassing for the club um and basically harry Maguire, world record defender um, you know, he's been a great buy for Liverpool, hasn't he, really? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to say this. Harry Maguire played 55 games for Manchester United. All he needed was a rest. So, you know, I just, I, I just <laughs> had, I just had to say that. Um, oh, oh, honestly, it's just, what makes you go through your mind thinking that, okay, he may have been. You know, he may have been, like, attacked from behind, but the thing you do not do is retaliate. You just, you basically just wait and just go and um, and just don't do anything. And I know that apparently, um, I think Dan James and uh, Brandon Williams are actually with Harry Maguire on holiday as well. So I don't know if, um, I don't know if they were involved or anything, but I have read, noticed that apparently Lingard and Rashford are also partying in Greece as well. So... It, Look, we you can't really say to um, Harry Maguire what to do on on holiday. I mean, that that, that would be very very stupid. Um, but you know what? They're at the end of the day, they're football players. You know, they've gone on holiday. They're they're probably allowed to just do what what they want. But Harry Maguire, as the captain of Manchester United, he is a role model to those players. So for him to get involved, you know, he's not acted like a captain. Uh, um, I mean, I can obviously put another example. Obviously, you know, like um, I remember, I, I, I don't remember because obviously I was, I was only sort of three or four at the time. But Eric Cantona against Crystal um, at Selhurst Park, you know, he got involved with a fan and then was obviously banned for eight months. Obviously, I've seen the, I've seen the footage and it doesn't look very, very good. Steven Jarrod, I could obviously bring him up. Obviously, he beat a DJ. He got away with that. You know, he kept his candidacy. So I think the thing you'd have to say is, it's a very good saying, you are innocent until proven guilty. Um, and it'll be very interesting to see what um, what Ollie does when he when he gets back to uh, to Manchester. Whether he, 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 um, I'm not sure Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer is man enough to strip him of the captaincy. So I think Harry Maguire will get away with it. And I think he will keep the captaincy. It will be interesting to see what happens and the decisions that get taken. And you're, and you're right to bring up the fact that he's innocent until proven guilty. I wasn't in Greece yesterday. I don't know what happened. I haven't seen any footage. 
living with the kebab or the tadger out, as Brian was saying. No idea what happened. But all I'm saying, what I'm saying, Doug, and I agree with you that you can't, um, you know, be draconian and force these young men who have been working really hard all season um, to, to, to not party or whatever but what i would suggest which is what happens in in other countries all around the world with professional footballers all around the world um and i know this for a fact is that they often just arrange the parties themselves right so you don't go out to a bar in mykonos do what gerard did and go out to some clubs in Liverpool, you hire out a venue, you 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 get a DJ, you get your mates to to arrange a DJ, and then they invite their mates, and then it's all sort of like it's friends of friends, and you have far less risk of doing anything, um, you know, of anything happening like that. But if you do go to a bar, then you have to expect if you're a slab-headed fridge that people will insult you, and you have to deal with that. And I think there's no excuse really for Harry Maguire doing what he did. But it's, at the same time, really quite, I don't know, we'll take it in its amusing way. Um, Manchester United, though, on the field, um, looking at their Premier League results, since losing to Burnley <laughs> on the 22nd of January, um, they didn't win, uh, sorry, they didn't lose uh, in against loads of teams, uh, you know, they played uh, Wolverhampton, Chelsea. They had difficult matches against uh, Manchester City, who they beat two. Um, loads of teams. There's basically I can't can't count them at the moment, but, but I think it's 13 matches beaten. They drew five, one, eight. It's around about that um, to end last season, and of course they sneaked into third position um, against uh, Sevilla. You saw that, uh, you know, they. they you know, they have a weak underbelly, don't they? Um, but, uh, you know, what do they need to do Doug, to, to to make you start worrying about them again? Are you already worried, given their, you know, frankly, excellent end-of-season form? That's ah, a tricky one, isn't it? It's, it, it's a really tricky one. I, I do think they need um, more players, uh, to be honest with you. I think looking at it, I think it's looking very unlikely Jaden Sancho is going to be a Man United player now. Um, I think they're I think they're one 120 million up front, and you know I think I think the I think Dortmund have watched what Leicester City did, and basically said if you don't pay the price, he's not going. So I I think I think they're still needing a right winger because I don't I don't think Dan James will be able to play as many games next season. Um, I still think they're lacking a bit of um, central defensive midfielder because the Manu Matic is not getting any young. Um, you know, Scott McTominay's been in there as well. I think they're needing. I think they're needing like a a, a Wilfred and Didi um, in there. So, someone who's really, really reliable. Um, he's only. I think he's only um, 24, 25 as well in Didi. So he's still got a lot to a lot to learn as well. Um, I think they're needing a. a uh, world-class centre-back to play with Harry Maguire, because I'll tell you something, Victor Lindelof, I've never seen someone look as suspect as him when he's dealing with, like, high balls or, you know, um, crosses coming into the box as well. I did actually like the fact that um, I watched the Sevilla game, and uh, it was actually quite funny that, ha- that obviously, we all, we all know from uh, Bobby, Bobby Firmino having the uh, no-look finish. Well, we've, we've got Harry Maguire now, 
doing the no-look defending. So that was very, very nice to see. Um, but looking at it, uh, I mean, obviously there's still talk about, obviously, De Gea or Henderson, you know, who, who's going to come in there. Uh, apparently Romero might be moving on in the, in, in the summer as well. A um, lot of rumours between him, uh, Villa, Leeds and uh, Everton, believe it or not, as well. And uh, I think there was one that um, I think he was getting ready to be made into like a swap deal for uh, Jack Grealish going as well. Um, but for me, United are still a way, way far off. Um, I am I am a little bit concerned with the fact that one of our last five games is at Old Trafford, though, because our record at Old Trafford is absolutely useless recently. I think it's two wins out of the last 11 uh, games at Old Trafford, and obviously that was 2009, and that was obviously 2013-2014 season as well. Um, but they definitely need to strengthen because their fans are getting a little bit restless with the with the board, um, and they're, they're obviously looking at the fact that you know, we're strengthening, City are strengthening, you know, even Arsenal probably strengthen as well. So I think I think I think Man United fans are really concerned of the fact that they haven't got anyone in yet. It's very, very interesting. It's very interesting. They haven't got Sancho. Um, I thought he would have been a game changer for them that you mentioned. And also, yeah, defensive midfielder, Wilfred Ndidi. He's only twenty-three. Um I love this player. I think he's absolutely brilliant. And that's a great, I think he would improve everything, including Liverpool, actually. But, um, you know, it's, it's a really good answer. And at the back, of course, that back five um, against Sevilla was De Gea, AWB, Juan Bissaka, Harry Maguire, Lindelof and Williams, whatever his name is, Brandon Williams at left back. Um, they're full of problems, Brian, aren't they? I mean... You know, very simple question. Uh, as Paul Machin from the excellent Red Men TV said uh, on Twitter, he asked this question. I'll ask it directly to you, Brian. Are they Liverpool in the 90s? Yeah, they are, is the, is the short answer. And uh, it's, it's interesting for me because, um, you know, now that we're champions and we are dominating football and um, Europe, etc., I totally understand the mentality that Man United fans had in the 90s um, and uh, uh, the noughties, is that what we're going to call it? I'm not sure. Um, where I remember from my perspective at the time, you know, I was always trying to make uh, lemonade with lemons. And I was, you know, saying, oh, we finished third. It was great. That's progress. Or, or you know, oh, at least we won a cup. It's the, the beer cup and it's good to win a, a cup and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, my United fans, uh, United um, uh, mates at the time were just, just never content with anything but winning. But number one. And uh, and now I understand that because when you slip back, um, all it takes is is one, uh, two or three bad managers, bad appointments, because each manager brings his whole backroom staff with him. The whole uh, institution changes, the philosophy changes, all these players get bought on massive, massive wages. I mean, I think basically. Pogba, when they re-signed Pogba, it's for me, I mean, I know Pogba divides opinion. I happen to be on the other side of the opinion. I think he's just, he's so overrated for me and just not worth it for what you get, what you, what you pay for him in everything else and what you get for him. It's just no amount of money is, is worth that or, 
or or player. And since he has come back to the club, it's just it's they've just gone backwards, and they're slowly but surely now clawing their way back to an extent. Um, but you know, you see how it's done because that's what happened to us. We just you know we made a few bad appointments we we didn't quite uh, make the right signings or, or whatever we came close a couple of times but you before you know it, it's like 12 years have gone by <laughs> and you're nowhere near um where you need to be and now united are being are are, are being described as what can happen to you if things go wrong because they're like you now football journalists around europe are saying about other teams if they don't, uh, you know, Barcelona are, are in risk of turning into the new United. <laughs> it's just, it's amazing to hear that now. Um, because there's such a juggernaut of a club commercially. Um, you know, they've got all this money coming in, just truckloads of it every season. It doesn't seem to matter what they do on the pitch. It's still the truckloads of money just keeps backing up into the club all the time. And their owners are just shredding off the money. Uh but you know it's been an absolute shit show for them for like for five or six years it's been it's been glorious liverpool fan i've thoroughly enjoyed it it's been so much fun as much fun as it been watching liverpool win everything and being it's been equal fun watching united being absolutely atrocious <laughs> it's really bad but i think i think you know fair play to them i i personally thought that they were starting to get their act together a second half of the season last year, they seem to be playing a brand of football for me that is reminiscent of what United used to be good at, which is like, you know, pacey teams using the wings, hitting people on the break, you know, attacking teams that, you know, score goals rather than turgid football that we saw in the Mourinho and some of the other things. But I think if you, I think I completely agree with what Doug said as well. I think, you know, they just they need to make a couple of signings. Um, they make a couple of signings and I'd be worried about them because their front three are exciting. Bruno Fernandez seems to have just totally changed that club, that team. He's he is the he is the missing link for them that what they he is the player that they needed to sign. He seems to have like reinvigorated that team completely. And if they can get a good solid midfield player to to play to Pogba's strengths and um a good if they sign like I keep thinking if they sign Koulibaly you know then you know they, they have to take them seriously or or a defender of that kind of stature um if they sign a big a good central uh defender and a good central midfield player then I think they might be you know they'll be chasing us down next season yeah, it's a it's a very it's a very good answer, very fair answer. There there have been um, you know, it's been a great catharsis watching them, you know, flounder and falter as we used to do. As uh, as you said, um, I wouldn't put it quite as equal to the joy of the red machine, the rocket reds. But uh, I know what you mean, Brian. I know exactly where you're coming from. Um, uh, Doug, you speak to um, United people, United fans, uh, on your excellent YouTube uh, channel, The Dugout. Uh, everybody, all the listeners should check that out. Um, I just want to ask you um, um, what the mood is. You said before amongst United fans that they, they, they seem to be blaming the board for their for their current malaise today. I mean, my, my question is more about Ole. Um, how do they, do you know how, they, how they're feeling? I mean, the ones that you speak to 
about Ole, especially after the Sevilla result. And what would you do if you were, you know, um, in charge of Manchester United? Would you sack Ole? Because I would. Um, the one, the ones I, the ones I've spoken to, and obviously I've, I've, I've had, I've had a few on uh, on my channel recently, is is that they've they're saying that next season Ole has to win a trophy. Um, because I think they've gone, I think they've gone through like a couple of barren years now, where they they've they've never looked like winning anything. Um, I the, the 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 funny fact is that Manchester United are the first club ever to have lost an FA Cup, a League Cup, and a European Cup semi-final in the same year. Now that that is absolutely hilarious because you wouldn't have you wouldn't have thought that uh, Man United would get accolades like that. Um, but the ones I've spoken to, they, they, they say that Ole needs a trophy and the the board needs uh, new signings because that squad desperately needs new signings because, um, I, obviously, if you watch them against Sevilla, they looked really, really tired um, as well. Um, would I sack Ole? I reckon if Manchester United don't win a trophy next season, I think he'll be out the door. But So... If they win a League Cup, then he, then we get another year of Ole at the wheel because that would be glorious. That would be that'd be absolutely fantastic, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, I I think I think that the main the main objective for them this season, I think, is to do well in the Champions League, probably get top four again. Uh, I do think they'll be in top four because um, I, th- I I'm not sure I'm not sure how well you know Spurs or Arsenal are going to do. Um, so I think I think for that. Um, aspect, I do think that Manchester United will definitely be um, challenging for the the top board, um, but I don't think they'll be challenging for the title. I still think that's between ourselves, um, Man City. I think Chelsea will definitely challenge us for sure. But the problem with them is that um, th- their defence is really really poor, and I don't trust their uh, goalkeeper Kepa Ariza Balaga with anything um, either. So. Uh, I do think if United uh, do get top four, if they do get a trophy, then yeah, we might get another year of Oligan Solskjaer. But I, I don't think he's going to be there for much longer, if I'm being totally honest, because I think the fan base is, is as divided as anything. Yeah, really, it's great stuff. I mean, I love the division. If I was, uh, you know, an emperor of, um, you know, a foreign land of the Liverpool nation, would be, uh, you know, readying my troops to to go into the, uh, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Brian, um, it's hot in Spain. It's getting to my brain. <laughs> would you sack Ole? Um, me? Yeah. No, yeah, I would. Absolutely. I'd sack him in a happy. Um, he, uh, yeah, I mean, he has, you have to give, you've got to give, um managers time and all that kind of stuff but i don't know i mean it's it's a difficult one with united because they they fucked up so much in when ferguson left they were too quick to get rid of um whiskey nose i thought not whiskey nose what's the name and Moyes. um i thought he deserved a bit more time um and then they went on the string of just disastrous appointments and uh, there, there was a perception there that they didn't give them enough time. And now, finally, Oli, uh, or Ole has come along um, at, at their worst, you know, at their lowest ebb. And so anything that he, he did, you know, it was always going to be great. And then he went on that crazy run when he got the job temporarily. And then he won like 10, 
11 games on the trot or something and then you know the fan base were clamoring for him to become the manager including the liverpool fans the liverpool fans going yes yes give him the job permanently you know that's always a bad sign when your opposition <laughs> fans are also agreeing with you going yeah that's a great idea um <laughs> and uh you know for all of the positivity that United ex United players tried to spin and you know they've been very protective over him uh which is nice to see good for them but you know his results when you when the coal you know light of day when you just look at his results they're not great you know he's not pulling up any trees and uh it, where, where is it all going I mean I don't know I mean it's only so long you can stay at, at out of the big, uh, the big time, uh, when uh, your foreign fan base will start to go leave you in, in droves. I mean, if it's not already happening to United, you know, people, all these new fans that are coming to the game now in Asia are not wearing United t-shirt, t- you know, tops. They're wearing City tops or Liverpool tops or you know, mostly Liverpool tops. Um, and that's that. All that kind of stuff takes its toll after a while. So, you know, if he, yeah, I think. If he gets a couple of bad results um, this new campaign, he'll be gone because I think the fan base, their patience with him has been pretty good, you know, for United fans. Um, but I think they're at the, 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 the he doesn't have a, an awful lot of credit in the bank. He's used it all up. All his uh, hero status has been has been used up. He's in debt now, and you know, if if they get off to a slow start this season um i think he he might be gone and there's a couple of like really big managers with question marks over their heads at the moment that you feel like maybe now now is the time that you'll get them like you know when we got Klopp, you know the timing was just perfect we had to move but you know god forbid everything if we if he didn't sign we, we didn't sign Klopp, where would we be now um and that that's i think where they find themselves you know if they if they take continue from where they left off last season and they get, carry on getting great results, then okay, let's see what see what happens with them. But if it's kind of stop start stop start, I'd say just before Christmas you you'll hear you know people rabid on uh, BBC Six O Six just screaming vitriol down the phone, going "He's got to go, we're united," and it'd be brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe Harry Maguire can be player manager for about you know ten games or something like that. It'd be awesome. <laughs> we'll just continue to watch that club go down on flames as they pour petrol over everything and just watch it just burn to the ground. Metaphorically speaking, <laughs> I'm glad you added that. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I was um, well. Okay. Um, so, well, thank you very much, guys. It's been it's been so nice to 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 talk about Manchester clubs. We can. I will continue this. I've got so much other stuff that <laughs> we haven't had time to get into. Um, you know, chance creation that I mentioned before. Um, just very quickly on that, um, Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes um, are basically two of the most creative midfielders in the league. Um, um, our, our very own, our very dear Nabi Keita makes on average 3.53, 3.53 shot creating actions per 90 minutes. So 3.53 for Keita. Mason Mount, 3.61. That surprised me. Shot creating actions per 90 minutes. Ferran Torres for Manchester City, only two. 2.2 shot creating actions per 90 minutes in La Liga for Valencia. Um, Pog 
and Fernandez, though, are on 4.26 and 4.33 respectively. So going forward, Manchester United, extremely good, but the holes behind covered by that back five or back six if you six if you include Nemanja Matic they have to improve there um but Kevin De Bruyne the player of the year fair play to him 7.09 shot creating actions per 90 minutes basically there is a part of me that just thinks if City sign a forward um who can stick it in the net then they'll get an extra three goals a game um anyway um uh, Brian um you want to talk about pre-season. Um, talk to us about pre-season and your thoughts about the, the training schedules, please. Yeah, no, I was just, um, I was just saying that um, uh, you know, there's a lot of our rivals um, that haven't even started pre-season yet. And, you know, some of these clubs haven't, haven't really gone, it's not that they've gone deep into the Champions League or anything like that. So, you know, we are already... Um, you know, in high altitude training, having interclub games, on the bikes, working on speed. And Chelsea, for example, are, you know, <laughs> in a bar in Mykonos or, or wherever it is that they uh, that they go. Um, and then you look at, I mean, I look at some of the other teams like Arsenal as well. Their pre-season preparations, um, it doesn't, doesn't, you know, they don't seem to be... We seem to be well ahead of the curve, I think. You know, even the fact that we've actually announced uh, fixtures. We're having one this weekend. Um, so I think that will stand us in really, really good stead because we um, will be coming into this new season very well rested uh, with a really good uh, pre-season. I mean, this is the first pre-season Jurgen Klopp has had that, you know, the club hasn't been flown to the far ends of the world for photo opportunities and, you know, crappy promotional tours with car companies or whatever it is. You know, he's got them in the camp that he likes to do in, in Europe. And and um, I think it's going to really, um, really hopefully stand us in, in really good stead um, because I think a lot of our rivals uh, will not be in the same kind of condition that we will be in coming into this uh, this new uh, season that's going to kick it off in a matter of weeks. So, yeah, just uh, another reason to be uh, positive and cheerful being a Liverpool fan. It's a really good point. It's a really good point. Yeah, the, the hecticness, um, the hecticality. Um, I'm inventing all kinds of nouns here. Again, the heat, the heat is getting to me. Um, but, uh, you know, it's very hectic, the uh, the, the schedule. I, I looked at it, I think maybe I mentioned this before and cop on in the last one, I can't remember. But by my reckoning, the only time um, players will get a full seven days to rest if their team is in Europe, um, I believe it's February. Um, so teams are going to be playing twice a week, guaranteed, until at least February, if they are in Europe. So it's absolutely crazy times. Um, and that's a brilliant point, Brian. You're right to bring it up. That, you know, clock's going to be, you know, working on our boys for, for ages. Uh, Doug, you've got some very sad breaking news about Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, is that right? Yeah, it's really, really bad news. Um, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is set to miss the remainder of Liverpool's pre-season programme after sustaining a knock to his knee during training. 
The midfielder picked up the injury during a challenge in Austria and has returned to Melwood to begin his rehab with the club's medical team. Jurgen Klopp told LiverpoolFC.com, really unfortunate, an unfortunate situation as well. It was a challenge in training. It looks like it is very similar to what Hendo had, which keeps him out for, we don't know for sure exactly how long, but for sure this pre-season he will not make a game. Arsenal for sure not. So there's the big one. He will miss the community shield and then we will see. The next game is probably two weeks later, but I don't know. We have to wait, but it is far away from being perfect, of course. It is really hard for him and hard for us, but it is not to change. Ugh. I I really feel for Alice Oxley-Chamberlain. Um, just riddled with injuries, Owen. Riddled with injuries. It's tough. Yeah, absolutely. The poor guy, because knee injuries, they're so hard. He's fought his way back from the ACL. I really hope it's not the same. Not the same knee that was damaged from that horrific injury. It's it, it's so tough once your knees start going. It's the worst injury you can get in football, I think. Um, but yeah, all the best to him from all of us. Um, you know, and it's I don't know. It's it, it's a, a bit of a bit a bit of a, a sorry way to end this episode. But uh, you know, thanks for thanks for sharing that, Doug, because it's uh, it's good to be. Be up to date, so we just wish him all all the best. Um, but uh, yeah, Doug and Brian, um, we didn't even get on to talking about Chelsea. We didn't get on to talking about Barcelona. Um, we didn't get on to talking about uh, the other CL, you know, Champions League stuff. The fact that it's the it's the final on Sunday. Um, we didn't get on to talking about the fact how Billy Kumetia suddenly built like Andre the Giant. Um, and uh, we didn't get on to talk about, you know, the brilliant uh, Sadio Mane, fans player of the season. We could talk for hours and hours and hours, but we have to go. We have to end it for here. So thank you so, so much, guys, to Doug and to Brian and, of course, to the fabulous listener. And uh, I hope to speak to you soon, guys. Thank you. Thank you. So that's that for the episode then, and uh, indeed that's that for season two of Cop On. It it's been okay as a season, hasn't it? Quite a quite a few dreams have been realised. Please, if you can, share Cop On with someone you know if they might enjoy it. Uh, but for now, let me just leave you with this difficult question: What happens when a fridge? gets into rather hot water. I guess we'll find out.